Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast for week five of Middle Tennessee High School football. Alongside Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Got a full show for you this week. Got Ravenwood head coach Matt Daniels joining us ahead of their Battle of the Woods at Brentwood. We've got our usual segment, Who You Got, where we pick all the winners. We'll also name our player of the week, sponsored by Citizens Bank. But first, we got to start by looking back at week four, a couple of games that we took in. Uh, our spotlight game was Beach and Hendersonville. You and I both were there, Scott. And uh, interesting game because this game could have went either way if it hadn't been for a few mistakes in special teams. Yeah, um, really it was a lot closer than a 28-14 to 14 score indicated. Um I do want to I do want to jump back though, Chris, to uh, the beginning of the game because they did something that was really, really cool. Uh, it was Military Appreciation Night, First Responder Night, yeah. First Responder Night. Um, they had uh, a lot of local uh, first responder representatives out there. Um, I think a couple actually from New York, yeah, actually came down. They rang the bell. Um, had a uh, someone playing bagpipes. Uh, it was really, really touching, and uh, um, I hesitate to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up because you ought to be – but you had a family member there, and you didn't know it. I didn't know it at the time. My brother-in-law was actually uh, the fire marshal in Gallatin, and he wound up being one of their first responders that was there for the ceremony. I didn't know he was going to be there until he was actually announced, and so it was a nice little surprise, and uh, I caught up with him before the game. But uh, it was a really nice ceremony and, and something that was very powerful to remember those we lost on September 11th, and a, a date we should never, ever forget. And just to be in part of that ceremony and, and take it in for a couple of moments was, was certainly worth the time, and I'm glad they did it. Yeah, it was, it was really special and uh, definitely um, a somber moment, but yet at the same time very respectful and appreciative and uh, it was something that was uh, a pleasure to, you know, and that may be a strange word, but it was it was maybe an honor is a better word yeah. to uh, be in the presence of uh, those people, and uh, and in that particular, um, oh, the word I'm looking for, uh, a way of honoring them. I think that was really special. So, uh, again, uh, just uh, a really neat. Uh, thing to behold and be there for. But now we get to the game. Um, you know, the, you know, this game last year, you know, was really, really close, and it really came down to a couple of miscues from Hendersonville. This game this year was really, really close for a little while, and it really came down to a few miscues. Um, you know, the, the, the whole difference in this game really was the, the ability of Beach to take advantage of mistakes because mm-hmm. Hendersonville got two picks in the first in the first half first quarter actually I believe uh if not it was early the second came early in the uh in the second but uh no points yeah they came in with no points yeah. Beach turned two fumbles into 14 mm-hmm. points you know you know they took a few minutes to settle in uh, actually Hendersonville started you know started the scoring right you know, you know, it, they you know, and then you know, Beach comes down, they score, um, then you get a muff punt. You know, last year it was the punter issues. This year it was uh, trouble on the other end of that. Right. 
Um, they fumbled a kickoff as well, and that led to a beach touchdown. And, and they also had a kickoff return for a touchdown call back because of a penalty. Yeah, blocking the back, I believe yeah. it was. So, yeah, I mean, three missed field goals. Yeah. You know, it's just there was – but, you know, I also have to give – I have to give – credit to beach as well sure brent Rowe had very little room to run right i mean that if there was success it was success on the outside with the uh with the hitch pass uh and that was the you know the main thing ellis ellis on the outside that's where they gained a lot of their uh yep. a lot of their room um on the other side beach you know they they've got they found some other running backs it's not just Tyshawn Jefferson, but he was a big, big part he was. of it. Yeah. Uh, but Patrick Hill, it was a it was a nice little uh, rest for him. They got Patrick Hill outside. He took one to the house from thirty five yards, and then later on, they after they had worn down Hendersonville, they started pounding with Adrian Johnson. Yep. Um, he scored twice, once from two yards, another from fourteen, and the second one. Might have been one of the more impressive runs of the night because he had some tacklers on his back headed to the end zone. Yeah, he. I think at that point they realized that, you know, at, at that point Hendersonville's defense had just been on the field way too long. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden you put in this huge back. Yeah. And, and it was just, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't stop him. Um, but uh, one person to me, when I went back and looked at this, one person on film kept showing up to me. It's not the person you think. It was nose guard Bryson Reeves for okay. Beach. Man, he's got to be seeing him in his sleep. I mean, seriously. He collapsed pockets. He clogged running lanes. He's the one who kept Brent Rowe in, you know, in contain, uh, harassed. Um, he just kept showing up on the film that I saw. That uh, and, and, and Bronco Hanks was also very effective filling gaps, drifting into throwing lanes, but uh, – Bryson Reeves, he really was a disruptive force in the front of that uh, beach defensive line. I go back to the points he left in the field, three missed field goals. Uh, one of them was a 50-yarder, but still, I mean, that's points you could have had on the board there. And then the, the kickoff return brought back for a penalty. That's 16 points that they left on the field that would have made a difference in this ball game. So it's something Harrisville's got to clean up and fast because they've got Levin in this week, and we'll talk about that game and who you got later on. And, but another game that we had, uh, CPA and Ensworth. Ensworth opening its season at CPA, and it didn't quite go like the Tigers wanted it. 28-6 to loss <laughs> at CPA. In fact, this game was a shutout up until nearly the final horn. It didn't go the way Ensworth wanted. didn't go the way anybody here thought. I mean, it – I mean, I – I don't. I, I don't know whether to apologize. <laughs> if you even, I just feel like CPA walked up and said, "If you even think about picking us again, we're going to smack you upside the head." I don't think apologies are going to work for Ensworth <laughs> anyway, because I mean, what's happening is K Law is just going to smack you around. Yeah, seeing his transformation has been impressive. We saw him at the state championship game. He's packed on twenty five pounds from last year and yes. then grown two inches. He's six one, two fifteen. He's a running he's a quarterback and a running back's body now. Well, you know, I made that Iceman analogy last week, you know, that, that CPA was the Iceman and you know but I feel and you know I'm trying to I'm trying to forget that analogy well, by the way. Well 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 here 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 you know 
and I and I was comparing Innsworth to a bigger stealth, you know. But I failed to take something into account, and that's the pilot behind the controls of the airplane. Mm, right. Okay. And Cade Law is as cold-blooded a field commander as you get. You don't and, have many quarterbacks that can take a 73-yard run to the house and and do it with the what kind of speed and power that he has. Yeah. I, I, I can't do – you know, we just I, – I think we overthought it. You know, yeah, just I know big, I did. I know I did I'll, as well. I'll admit that right off the bat. That's my fault, CPA. I'm sorry. I will not make that mistake again. Yeah, you know, we said CPA's running game would have to dominate. It did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> we said that being able to run meant not having to look at uh, having to uh, them not being able to throw to uh, Andre Tarantine. It did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once again, you know that defense. We said it had to, uh, you know, put points on board and extend leagues. Leads, you know, Brewer Myers has a – yeah, it did. Yeah, Brewer Myers had did. a uh, five-yard fumble return. So, we outlined the blueprint, but, you know, CPA had it all along. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, but, you know, then again, this was a – this was Innsworth's first time on the field, too. And yeah. it played – they played like it was the first game. Yeah, some of these teams that are coming back, like Innsworth, Father Ryan – FRA. FRA won a double overtime, by the way, at White House, so I'm not going to kind of exclude them from this conversation. Yeah. But the teams that came back last week are, are behind significantly. Yes. And they're probably about a month away from really being in stride as far as where they should be in the regular season. And it's unfortunate because they have to grow up in a hurry. Yeah. Um, you know, they Innsworth couldn't run the ball. They only had 52 rushing yards. But when you have Langston Patterson, you know – Maybe it's not just you. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but they also had, uh, you know, nine penalties. Yeah. So, and that is the kind of thing that you get with a first game. Yeah, you have to back. get those things out of the way early in your season. And, and in Ensworth's case, they did. Uh, they don't need to see these kind of things pop up much more right now because region games are coming for them and fast. So. Yeah. Rock Batten has some work to do with the Tigers, but I think they'll be okay. It just may take a little bit for them to get up to full song. Right. Agreed. So, with that, now, of course, K-Law had a big performance, but we had a, a, quite a few more performances that were huge as well. And it's time to name our Player of the Week sponsored by Citizens Bank. And I got to tell you, this vote last week was – well, last week's vote was really close. This one – the fans really kind of sided with Oakland's Victor Stevenson. And it's time for us to see if he's going to win, win the award or not. Well, if you're asking about me, and, and Victor Stevenson was amazing. He, he, he did a great job. Um, you know, there were several that were worthy. Um, my guy, my guy was – Incredible. Um, 21 of 27 for 339 yards and six passing uh, TDs, 515 yards of total offense. Um, I'm sorry, that was what they had. Um, anyway, 339 yards passing, and he has uh, scored a rushing touchdown as well. My guy is Gre- uh, Cade Grasnow, Grenzel, excuse me, uh, for Brentwood. Okay. That is my guy. I, 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 just think that, you know, he went to Henry County. 
no slouch and put up those kind of numbers. He would be my player of the week. And before we go any further, let's just name the nominees just for to, to get them honored on here. Oh, like my apologies. Did I, jump, did I jump the gun? Maybe a little bit, but, that's, but that's okay. Marcus Collins from Eagleville, 175 yards rushing, two touchdowns on four carries. Four carries. Okay. That's Solid. important. 60-yard touchdown pass on his only pass attempt as they beat Pickett County 52-0. Brandon Conard for Riverdale, 223 yards and two touchdowns on 18 carries. They beat Smyrna 40-20. Independence Jackson Campbell, 12 of 23, 180 and a score through the air. Ran for 85 yards and three touchdowns on 12 carries in their win at Blackman, 28-7. Uh, you mentioned Kate Granzel, 21-27 for 339 and six TDs. Ran for another one. Kavon says Hudson for Springfield, 7 of 7 through the air, 134 yards and two scores. Five carries, 122 yards and two touchdowns as Springfield beat Station Camp 38 to nothing. Riverdale's Marcus Floyd, 139 yards and four touchdowns on 18 carries in that win. We mentioned Victor Stevenson. He had three TDs, including an 80-yard reception, a 99-yard kickoff return, and a rushing touchdown as they beat Stewart's Creek 48-24. Brentwood's Aaron Walton, seven passes, seven catches, excuse me, 151 yards and three touchdowns in that big win over Henry County. So, with that, let's tell you how the fans voted. 31% took Vic Stevenson. Marcus Collins for Eagleville got 18%. Gavantes Hudson and Jackson Campbell each got 15%. Brandon Conard had 14%. And Kate Granzo had only 3% of the vote, so a little surprised at that result. Yeah, but, I, I am too. But but you're backing him. I'm I'm backing him, but I I can understand that if you if you look at his receivers and and you know the people around him. I but I to me you know, I'm backing Grenzel. I'm going to go with a guy who was incredibly efficient in the time that he got on the field. When you touch the ball, essentially five times, and turn three of them into touchdowns. That's a good night, no matter how short it is. Yeah. Marcus Collins, 175 yards and two TDs on four carries. Ooh. Four carries. That yeah, uh, that's incredibly efficient. Yeah. So. But you know what that means? We have to invoke the power of the people. We do. Because yeah, I'm rule. going, I'm going with Marcus Collins, who averaged forty three point seven five yards per carry. Yeah, that's what you just said. That, I, I'm sorry, did I jump ahead again? I think you did. You're excited about this, aren't you? Well, no, I'm. I'm. I'm really can't. I've. We've never been in this ground before. This, this is true. Where you and I have disagreed, and so have the people. And so have the people. We, we've we, never we, been here. We have a three way split. The people voted Vic Stevenson for Oakland. I'm going with Marcus Collins for Eagle. Well, you're taking Kate Grant's up. I, I can't not go Kate Grant's okay. All right. But that you know what that means. Yeah. So in in this situation, when we have a three way tie, the people's vote is a tiebreaker. So, with that said, Victor Stevenson of Oakland, congratulations. You yeah. are our Citizens Bank Player of the Week for Week 5. And he had a great week. I, I will not argue with that. The man is a, is a Swiss Army knife, and, and he gets a helmet to add his collection, too. Yeah, he does. So, congratulations. We will present that to him at a later date. We will give you Ravenwood head coach Matt Daniels after the break. So, this is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Hey folks, if you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season. 
to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615preps, Friday night's finest play here. Back here on the 615 Preps podcast uh, with Ravenwood head coach Matt Daniels getting ready for their Battle of the Woods rivalry with Brentwood. Coach, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it. Look, it's such a difficult schedule you've got anyway, and then you stick a region game right in the middle of it. Uh, what's this What's this little three-week stretch like? You having to play Pulaski Academy, then you follow up with a region rival and a big rival in Brentwood, and then you have IMG next week. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, we want to be battle-tested come November, and we've done that kind of, you know, not necessarily on purpose uh, the last couple of years when, um, you know, I was making our, our first couple schedules. Um, obviously, you got teams like Cane Ridge that we've had on, on the schedule late, getting ready for playoffs. Uh, and this year, uh, you know, replacing Cane Ridge, not knowing what's going on with, with Metro, uh, you know, IMG at the time was, was kind of the, uh, the only available and something that was intriguing, uh, you know, to, to not only myself and the rest of the staff, but the players. You know, we've got guys that want to compete with the best in the country. Guys that have, you know, the, the Junior Colsons and, and Jake Brinning's tools of the world, they, they go to seven-on-sevens with these guys. They go to the elite prospect camps and, um, you know, that's how they want to challenge themselves. So to me, it was a no-brainer uh, in terms of adding IMG. But as far as where, where this three-game stretch falls, that's kind of the luck of the draw. But uh, Coach Grimes, our defense coordinator, told me the other day, he said, man, when we get to the playoffs, there's going to be nothing we haven't seen uh, and experienced as a team. And for a young team that's trying to replace a lot of starters from last year, that's a pretty good formula. And considering that the most important game of the stretch is this one with Brentwood, since it's a region game right. and for a region title possibly, you know, how important is it going to be to kind of try to block all those distractions out for the other two games and focus on this one? Well, I think, you know, falling short last Friday is probably the best thing to, to happen to us. You know, I, I feel like we didn't play our best football, and, and obviously Pulaski's a, a really good football team, uh, and, and they do some unorthodox things that just put a lot of pressure on you. So falling short in that and, and having a little extra motivation and, and focus this week uh, is, is a blessing, I think, you know, when you're getting ready for, for Brentwood. Um, Well-coached team, talent uh, everywhere on the field for them. Similar position as us, you know, young offensive and defensive line, guys trying to get experience. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, most people would say in a three-game stretch in the middle of the year, they wouldn't be happy with one and two. Uh, but if our one win is against Brentwood, nothing else matters. Yeah. Now, you've had such good performances from Junior Colson, Trevor Andrews. We just gave those Player of the Week awards to your guys tonight, actually. Now, uh, considering their performance so far this season, uh, how much more are you looking from them to try to help lead this team even farther in the postseason? Well, you know, I think uh, Junior being, being back uh, healthy last week, you know, he had to knock a little bit of the rust off, a little bit of the uh, out of shape from, from one week of, of roaming the sidelines. But, uh, you know, those guys as senior leaders, you know, and, and uh, Brenning Stool in that mix, obviously, as well. Over the last couple of weeks, when, when we've needed to put the game on their shoulders, they've shown the ability to do that. Not only the, the ability, but the desire. You know, when you got guys coming up to you on the sideline, those three saying, I want the ball. I want to do this. Let's let's do this. Um, you know, you can't ask for much more as, as senior leaders and, and playmakers. Um, you know, Drago, as we call him, Brenningstool, um, last week in a pretty high-profile matchup with Pulaski, showed that 
you know, he's a guy we need to throw the ball up to, and, and he's going to make good things happen. And he's a physical player, and he ignites the rest of the team. So it's fun to have that that trio uh, firing on all cylinders. You mentioned Brinkstool, his nickname Drago. I think I know where it comes from, but why don't you tell everybody where it comes from? <laughs> yeah, you know, when he uh, when he first got to Ravenwood, it was uh, it was kind of uncanny. It was he looked like he could have been Drago's son. Uh, you know, just the the hair, the the bleach blonde hair, uh, which is natural, by the way. Uh, he had it in a flat top and, and, you know, big frame and the way he carried himself confidently. Um, it was just, uh, you know, it was an automatic uh, nickname. And uh, seeing his family, they call him Drago now. It's it's, it's pretty fun. Does he try to do a Dolph Lundgren impression of Ivan Drago or have you heard him try? <laughs> I, I've never heard him do that. And, you know, now as he's gotten older, he's grown his hair out. So I think maybe he's trying to uh, separate himself a little bit from that. But you can't get many better nicknames than that for a 17-year-old kid. You're talking about these kids that bring Stool and Colson now that have big Power 5 commitments. Now, how do you guys keep them staying hungry and, and keeping their eyes toward the prize this year, knowing that their futures are pretty well intact. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing and, and what we've tried to do the last four years, you know, when I took over is, is focusing on culture. When, when you've got talent like that, it's very easy to for those guys to get distracted and, and to get caught up in, in those offers and in, in their future and graduating early and all that stuff. But man, these are good kids. They're down to earth, great families that have raised them the right way. Um, so when we can get them involved as leaders pushing the culture, pushing the family uh, aspect, the brotherhood that we've preached the last uh, four years, um, that, that's the biggest thing is, is when you get them embedded in the culture, uh, it, it's hard for them to break away from that, even if they wanted to. But they're the type of kids that, that don't want to. Let's switch gears for a second and talk about Pulaski Academy last week. It didn't turn out to be quite the track meet that last year's game did, but it was pretty high scoring in its own right. But you feel like you guys defended that offense better, obviously. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing, our takeaway from that was, I believe, uh, at last count, we held them to 23 less plays than last year. And, you know, some, some coaches or people might look at that and say, okay, why, why does that matter? You know, when you really think about it, that, that could be more than five series of your defense being on the, on the field. So just health-wise, um, you know, being uh, – bumped up and, and bruised and and just running a track meet like that going into a region game you know you want to pay attention to that and we did some things with rotating guys that we might not have done last year uh knowing that this brentwood game is extremely important you know last year i think we really learned from that pulaski track meet going into brentwood i mean it was like wow we got we got to play another football game it seemed like we had just played three last weekend so um you know i think the biggest thing we'll take from from this year is we we were in it till the end we had a chance to win uh even though we we feel like we didn't play nearly as well as we should have. Uh, and we, we feel pretty good about uh, not only our health, but not being so gassed uh, coming into Brentwood. Your special teams, too. I think I read that the, you guys recovered every onside kick attempt that they had, which is not a big deal in most games, but against this team, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, that's their bread and butter. They, they live and die by that. They practice it all day, every day. Um, they take pride in that. You know, just the week before they recovered two and they were able to, to, to beat the Arkansas 7A state champ by three scores, you know, and, and so we prepared uh, tremendously. Our special teams coordinator, David Harries, was, was on the ball. We lined up in, in, in a way where we overloaded and said, we know where you're going to kick it. Well, we're going to put enough guys there to recover it and, and make sure we, we've got it taken care of. So interestingly, I hadn't seen any other team line up like we did. Uh, and so I'm guessing some people are going to get their hands on the film and, and, and check that out. But you know, you got to put guys in there that are not afraid of contact, that they want to go after the ball. So there's your, your Drago. You know, he recovered a couple. He took one actually back um, for a 60-plus yard 
return on an onside kick. Um, Trevor Andrews, our starting quarterback, we had on the front line returning onside kicks because he's a, he's a guy we trust, you know. And, and in this game, you got to go with guys you trust and guys that, that you know in, in those situations are going to step up. So very proud of our special teams. We, we did a heck of a job. And now this week, you've got to face an offense that has a very capable quarterback and some capable wide receivers. How do you defend against Grant Zone that attack with Walker Merrill and, and other capable, something else saw too, is, is big targets for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing for us is it's kind of a sigh of relief when you, when you go from defending the circus that is, you know, a Coach Kelly offense, and I mean that with, with all the, the respect due, is, um, you know, it's just, it's different. And, and you know, Brentwood's a good matchup. We're, we're similar players, we're similar teams. Um, you know, it's going to be a physical matchup, whereas with Pulaski, it's not as physical, it's more nuanced. and. Um, you know, so so I think that that uh, plays well for for both teams, actually, both sides, and that's why you've kind of seen some close games, especially in the regular season in the last few years. But you know, you, you said it, Cade and Walker are, are two of the best guys in in the state of Tennessee, and uh, obviously it's the focal point of their offense. Uh, at the same time, you see some guys that are getting opportunities um, that are stepping up, just like we have. You know, Lee Millette, uh, Ross Johnston are, are playing their roles tremendously well, and teams try to uh, take Drago out of the game and uh, stop our running game, then other guys have to step up. So it comes down to, you know, what side is going to make more plays uh, when given the opportunity. Yeah, I know a big question coming into the season was going to be quarterback because you had Brian Garcia graduate, but Trevor stepped in and has, has done almost a flawless job for you guys through, through four games. Let's talk about him for a second, though. How did his development last year really kind of come up and, and help him now? You know, he's... It, it, it's interesting. There was no development for him last year as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. However, he developed as a, as a varsity playmaker, as a receiver. He was our third option, you know, but he started at, at outside receiver and, and he did his job. He had a couple big catches uh, in the Cane Ridge game in the, uh, in the regular season. So he got himself a taste of his role there, of the offense. Um, and he was just biding his time. He knew that he was going to have a shot to compete for the starting quarterback job this year. You know, he had essentially taken a year and a half off from throwing the football. Um, but he's a guy that he's very heady, you know, he, he's got all the intangibles. Uh, he's, he's extremely smart, you know, high 4.5 GPA. He's going to be a guy that's probably going to, uh, you know, gain a lot of interest from the Ivy League schools, the Patriot League schools. Um, and, and he's just a competitor. You know, people compare Brian to Trevor and say, well, Brian had, uh, you know, he was such a competitor. He could run around. And, and I think people don't give Trevor enough credit that he has a lot of those same uh, skill sets. So uh, Trevor is doing what we expected, but I think people from the outside didn't quite know him well enough. Did the lack of game film for him at quarterback probably play to his advantage early on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, people had, had no idea what to expect. Um, I, I don't think people realize how good of a runner he is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've gone through four weeks with, with kind of the COVID restrictions. I mean, how do you feel like your program has handled everything so far, given everything that's happened this offseason? You know, we've, we've totally thrived on adversity, and I think, you know, a lot of high school football coaches w would say that, but we just feel over the last couple of years that, that we've had a lot of things thrown at us and, and some self-inflicted things that, that we've taken in stride and we've responded to, um, and, and this is just another one of those things. And, and you know, we, we have to preach it every day because these are teenagers, um, you know, and, and we have to say, wear your mask, be safe when you're going out. We're, we're spraying down the lockers every night. We're, you know, we've got all these things and these guidelines in that every day we remind the boys of why we're doing it. You know, every day it's a new team shutting down. It's, you know, whether it's football or, or another sport and, and schools having to quarantine people. And, and so we just have to give those reminders and, and say, we're lucky that we're playing. 
let's do the thing so we can continue to be lucky that we're playing. Yeah. Last thing, let's talk about the hair from the championship game <laughs> last year. You you basically you lost a bet and you went up shaving the Raptor logo inside of your head. How long did it take that to kind of go away? Man, that was uh, that was one of those the, the night of the state championship when I was kind of thrashing around and thinking about what what could have been uh, against Maryville that. Uh, you know, I was ultimately, I think some people might have regretted that decision, but um, it was fun and it was fun what uh, atmosphere it, it kind of brought to, to school and, and to the players and, um, you know, obviously do that again in a heartbeat. But I'll tell you what, it took a while for it to grow out. So the, they did a little paint and, and kind of accented the bird head. That came out pretty quickly with yeah. a few showers, but it took a while for that thing to grow out. So the boys are already brainstorming this year what's going to be the next the next haircut. Well, it seems like you're a little bit of a game of men, so I'm probably going to willing to take a bet like that again, aren't you? For sure. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Well, like I said, thank you for joining us this week. Good luck Friday. I know it's a big game at Brentwood, and we're lucky to be able to see you guys go at it. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. All right. That's Ravenwood head coach Matt Daniels. We're back with who you got next on the 615 Preps podcast. Stay with us. Back here on the 615 Preps podcast, it's that time of the week again where we make a fool out of ourselves and try to pick these winners. Scott, who you got? I'm a fool. <laughs> I am too. Uh, I had a terrible week last weekend. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it. Well, I, did did I? I had a worse week than you did, right? No, you did not. I did not. <laughs> I had a worse week than anybody else. Oh, really? I had a losing week. So the people beat us all. The people did beat us all. They went six and three. You and Drake had five and four records, and I was setting four and five. Oh, I gained a game. Woo. You gained, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm leading the Twitter voters by two games, but now it's a little more tenuous than it was seven yeah, days ago. Yeah, see, you got a little cocky. You're right, I did. I, I, <laughs> I, I learned. I learned. <laughs> I learned. So let's get right into it, though. Independence and Franklin kicks us off. Uh, Franklin, two and, or Franklin's 2-2 two and two entering this game. They, they beat Summit last week 27-20, and uh, the Admirals, they've been, they've been playing some pretty good ball. Yeah, that offense is no joke, uh, really. Uh yeah, this is going to be an interesting game because uh, you know both uh, both teams are chasing Raywood and Brentwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so this this game, although there are some other teams things to say about this this game, very could you know either put one out or at least manage third and fourth. Yeah. in the region, um, you know, Independence they're going to go about as far as Jackson Campbell's effective. I think. I mean, arguably, he's been the MVP of this region, although uh, I'm just talking about consistency week in, week out. Right, yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, he's 12 TDs in three games, right? Um, So Yeah, he'll be in the conversation for region MVP, no doubt. uh, No doubt. And and he does it with his his arm and his Mm -hmm. legs. And he's got some good targets there. But if you – you know, when you watch – when you watch film with him – it it really is, you know, reminiscent of some of those good wildcat quarterbacks yep. uh, that can that actually can throw because there's a lot of, you know, hesitation waiting for the holes to open up or he can just as well back it up and throw it. Yeah. We, we talk about uh, the other connections in this region as far as like Trevor Andrews at Ravenwood, Jake Burningstool, his main target and tight end. Uh, you got Kate Granzo and Walker Merrill, Brentwood, but Jackson Campbell to. Calvin Wilson is a very underrated connection, and these two have hooked up several times early in the year. Yeah, that's that's nothing but production, there. right? Absolutely. But their defense stepped up as well last week. Uh, you know, against Summit, they uh, forced four turnovers. They were drawing penalties uh-huh. uh, in a game that, uh, you know, quite frankly, um, 
oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm on the wrong game. I'm in Blackman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> yeah, wait a doggone minute there. Got a little bit ahead of myself. Against Blackman, excuse me. Yeah. Not not against uh, not against uh, Franklin, um, yeah, but uh, you know it's going to be you know Franklin has had a really really strong year as you said. Yeah, their offense is is really something special that you know not a whole lot of people you know coming into the year that I heard you know felt that way, and it, it really is uh, you know really all on. Uh, yeah, really all on Connor Beaven. Uh, you know, he's effective. Uh, they got a really good running back. You know, the thing about uh, Beaven is uh, he's very protective of the ball. And they're very, very, very good on offense. But their defense actually stepped up in this, holding Destin Wade uh, to 5 of 12 for 36 yards and a TD and two picks yep. in this game. They outrushed Summit. Which I didn't know that was even possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, in my you know, in my opinion, it's going to be an offensive battle. Franklin's proven they can hold down a mobile quarterback, but Independence may have a little bit better defense and a better running game. It's a shootout. It's the last quarterback with the ball wins, and I just think that Franklin's going to be that that team this okay. week. All right. Well, to Piggyback off a point you mentioned earlier, this is going to be at least the 3-4, and whoever wins this game will be, will be the main challenger for the number two seed. Independence has already beaten Centennial. They've got – they'll have the three seed all but locked up if they win. Good point. I and mean, Franklin still has to play Centennial, but I think both of these teams are making the playoffs anyway. And like I said, yeah, it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I, I'm also on that at last possession wins. But I think it's going to be in Jackson Campbell's hands last, and, and that's a good place for the football to be if you're independent and needing to score to win. So I'm taking the Eagles. It's you know it's a coin flip, and I could see that happening. It really, it really to me just came down to just gut. You yep. know. Yep. Now you're going to roll over now to Montgomery Central and Creekwood. Ah. This one. This one, a critical region game in, in Region 5 of Class 4A. And, you know, Montgomery Central, having just gotten on the field a couple of weeks ago, they're 2-0 right now, but really having to dive into region play early. They've already got a region win over Portland. They beat Northwest 19-10 to last week, and now they're traveling to Creekwood to play the Red Hawks, who, you know, they have kind of gotten on a roll themselves. They're ranked number 9 in 4A this week, and they're 4-0. They've only given up seven points in the last three games. Yeah, and they're also 1-0 in the region. They defeated Greenbrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and both these teams are really chasing Springfield. I mean, they really are. Uh, but, again, you know, we're talking about region implications this early in the season. Right. Uh, this game uh, very well may determine second place in the region, although it is still early. Yep. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of White House schools that may have a little something to say about that. But um, you talked about Montgomery Central. uh you know, their defense is no joke. Uh, they knocked out, uh, unfortunately, they knocked out Ryan Silverstrom. Northwest was so into it with their quarterback. You know, they finally felt confident back there, and they knock him out for the season with a broken collarbone, mm-hmm. which is – and then they turn around and knock out his backup. Yep. Um, you know, but before that, they had found themselves down 10 to nothing um, before Logan Sykes threw a 30-yard touchdown. Defense is really the moniker of this team. 
But Creekwood is no slouch either. They've only allowed thirty yards. Uh, they only allowed thirty yards passing last week, but they allowed one hundred and forty-five rushing to Harpeth. And Montgomery Central is a running team, first and foremost. Uh, I think this is their toughest. Uh, this is their toughest uh, test so far. I think. Um, I expect this to be a defensive battle. Uh, Creekwood seems to have an offensive identity. Montgomery Central still finding theirs. But you know what? Until I see the Indians get their offense completely on track, I'm going to go Creekwood here. Yeah, that's a, that's a very valid point. And, uh, Montgomery Central still kind of going into the preseason mode where they're only having a couple of weeks of games under them when you normally would be you know, about week five of your season in, in as far as your as far as your continuity and your offense goes, so they're they're still in, they're they're still kind of in catching up mode, and they're going to be for a while. So, um, I'm curious to see what they put up against Creekwood's defense, but I don't know that it'll it'll be enough in this one. And I'm going Creekwood to go to five and zero, and they're going to be ranked a little bit higher, I think, after the polls come out next week. Next up, Brentwood Academy and Father Ryan. And Father Ryan is kind of in the same boat. They just made their season debut last week. In a loss at JP2, they, they fell in the Bishop's Cup rivalry 31-17. They actually do have a, a win on their record because they did get a COVID forfeit very early in the year from South Warren, Kentucky. They couldn't play them. So, Father Ryan technically wanted one, but they haven't won on the field yet. No, but, you know, I was really concerned with their uh, how they would be coming out into their first game and then playing a team like uh, the Knights with that really powerful offense, and they did a wonderful job. They did a masterful job against uh, that running game for JP2. But now you step right out of that, and, boy, you're right into a meat grinder here with Brentwood Academy. And that team, I think, is just a team on a mission. Taylor Montiel, he can sling it. Uh, There's not a phase of that game I don't think that – is not that they're not, you know, doing very well in. Yep. And with that big offensive line, and, you know, in that respect, both sides of the line, really, I think they're just going to harass Tapscott. Right. And I think B.A. wins this one. Yeah, I tend to agree there. I mean, D.C. Tapscott is going to have his hands full just trying to navigate that defense. You know, he, he's going to be under some pressure Friday night, and how he handles it will be a big part of how they end up Fairing against the Brentwood Academy defense, but the Eagles are number one in Division II AAA for a reason, and I think they prove it again this week as they should go to five and zero. I've got the Eagles winning over Father Ryan as well. DCA and Friendship Christian, another big region game, and this one for first place in the East Region of Division II Single A. And DCA, they got they got a big win last week. Friendship Christian has had kind of a an up-and-down start to the season, but the commanders seem to be ready to try to bounce back. Boy, they took out their frustrations on Grace this last week. Um, it was a mismatch. You know, it's the, the kind of game that you're not sure if it's a good or a bad thing. Because, um, it, it, you know, if, if it's one of those games where you should do well, and you know that. And so when you come out of it, you're like, you know, what did we learn about ourselves? So there's something to be said about some of these teams scheduling uh, now, it's not their fault. I'm just saying there's some things about these teams that schedule really tough 
because it gives them a barometer of where they are. This is one of those games that you expect to win. Uh, you're happy to win, but, you know, what does it really tell you? Because this, this team is still kind of a mystery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was 44 to nothing at halftime. Don Dunning had a big day with the ball, uh, as did Drew Porter. And, uh, you know, the defense, again, was good. Grace had three uh, fumbles and blocked pump. But you look at DCA, they played an emotional game uh, for the first time since that uh, tornado came through. And this was a game that was put together in less than 24 hours yeah. right at, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were supposed to play Middle Tennessee Christian. MTCS had COVID-19 cases pop up. They had to cancel. Summertown had Spring Hill, but Spring Hill had to lose, had to drop their game too. So both coaches put this together pretty much overnight and, and made it happen. And, and DCA wound up on the, on the right end of the 31-14 win. Yeah, and this game, uh, you know, DCA gave up 164 rushing yards and 83 passing yards to Summertown. They lost time of possession, uh, 28, almost 29 minutes to 19. But John Lewis continues to run well, uh, as does Ashton Jones. You know, with Coach McNeil back on the sidelines, I think we're going to see the team uh, since he'd been out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, that team, the team that that uh, played Trousdale close, more so than the team that lost to Milton C. Christian. I think Dawson Christian has, has the defense to keep it close, but I don't think they've faced a team with this much talent yet. And – I think this is a make-or-break type of game for Friendship Christian. I'm going to go with the Commanders. You make a very good point, and in that in this region, Friendship Christian having a loss on their record in region play already is not good for them. And a second loss would pretty much knock them out of any home game in the first round of the playoffs. They need to win this game, and they need to win it badly. And and DCA make it the full force of Friendship Christian's effort on Friday. Uh, I like what DCA has done so far. But they're still a little bit of an unknown just because, I mean, they, they played Silverdale. They played the Web School. They played Summertown. They haven't really – Web School was in the region game, but Web School struggled. So I haven't seen a, a, a really good region game for them yet. And I'm taking Friendship Christian. You're seeing my face, and I, I know you're wondering. I, I, I didn't realize this for a long time that it was the Web feat. Yeah, the web feet. This is the, this is the one out of Bell Buckle, right? Not the one in Knoxville. So right, yeah, the, right. the web feet. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the most unique names and one of the coolest names I think in all of high school sports. Go feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Defeat the feet. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of puns that you could you could use for that one, but uh, yeah. it's, undefeated. Uh, yeah, we, we have more picks to go through, so we'll, we'll work on puns later. Uh, White House Heritage and Greenbrier going back to Region 5 in Class 4A. Another, another critical region game for these two. Greenbrier 2-1. and one. They're 1-1 one one in region play after beating Portland 19-12 to 12 on the road last week. White House Heritage is 3-1. and one. They are 0-1 in region play. They've already played Springfield, so that one's out of the way for them. Now it's, it's on them to make or break their region starting this week. Yeah, both these teams, I think they need to keep this, uh, need this game. To keep pace, um, you know, Greenbrier, you know, they gave up big plays to Portland. That it was the long runs, I think, to Portland. Uh, you know that, and just from what I, you know, what limited uh, film I was able to see, it really looked like they were selling out on the run. It was just giving uh, a lot of room 
once you got to the second level for the Portland backs. And that's what, and that's where, you know, uh, they were getting gashed. Uh, you can't give that kind of space to the Patriots running game. You, you can't. Um, they, they will take it to the house. Um, but, you know, looking at Greenbrier, they've got a, a pretty good uh, quarterback in Braxton Laney. He's another one of those run-pass threats. 76 yards rushing, 153 yards passing against Portland. Um, but they're going to have to avoid turnovers, and they're going to have to depend on their running back, uh, uh, Isaac Rector, to carry the load. White House Heritage, they – this is – you know, their team, we saw them – in person at East Robertson, uh, but they've had some injuries, especially in the backfield. And I'm not really sure uh, what the status is of their uh, of their players back there. If Jackson Mapes is is healthy and uh, and and does play, then he can flat out run you over just as soon as run around you. Um, so this is a team offense that averages 163 yards rushing. I think it's going to be a good game. I think Greenbrier has a defense, can create turnovers. But to me, the factor in this, I think, is Stetson Dickerson. I think that he's got an identity. I think he's a detail-oriented coach. I think he's going to have his team ready for this. I'm going White House Heritage. Heritage probably needs this game more than Greenbrier does just for the fact that they need to get a win in the region standings under their belt. Now, they lost 57-14 to 14 in Springfield, and that didn't sit well with Stetson Dickerson. They obviously they rebounded last week for 24 point minutes at Sycamore. They've got another region game on the road next week, so it's a tough little stretch where they're not going to be at home, but once in the next month. They've got to do some stuff on the road in order to give themselves a chance down the road for a higher seed. They've got to win this game. It's it's a game against a team that they beat last year that they they should feel like they should beat, and I think they will, just because their running game will be enough to take them to take them the rest of the way. Uh, Greenbrier is is kind of is still a little bit younger. They're building. It, it might not be their year yet, so I think White House Heritage I think takes this game and, and gets another leg up in the region race and. With that, let's take a break, and we'll be right back to finish up with the rest of who you got after this. This is 615 Preps Podcast. Sit tight. Back here continuing who you got in the 615 Preps Podcast. We switch gears now to go to Stewart's Creek and Laverne, a region battle for these two teams as well. Both of these teams have wins over region opponents via COVID-19, but now they got to face each other on the field. This is going to be one critical for positioning in this region, uh, Scott, who you like and why? Well, you know, Stewart's Creek hasn't shot away from tough competition. They've sandwiched that Clarksville win in between Oakland and Mount Juliet losses. And Laverne, you know, they started the season hot, but they've been feasting on some less tough competition before they've dropped uh, two in a row uh, against, you know, two tougher teams. Um, you know, I looked at Stewart's Creek. They kept the score early uh against Oakland before, you know, these the three-headed monster backfield kicked in. Um, Laverne, you know, they fell victim to uh, Deontay Shannon. Um, you know, it, it was just, it, you know, they, they continue to have really good offense, but their defense just seems to be lacking. But, 
you know, we told we told you last week it'd be a track meet, and it was mm-hmm. certainly. Um, but uh, forty five thirty three eleven and won that one. Yeah, um, you know, I went into the half nineteen to seven before uh, before Lavandre Webb started uh, really getting hot uh, in the second half. Stewart's Creek's played some tough competition. They've shown the ability to play solid defense. I think despite losing two in a row, Laverne can score in bunches. If their defense can get stops, they can be a tough out. You know, I came into this I came into this recording thinking one way, thinking another. And I'm gonna go Stewart's Creek. I, I just think that they've got a little too much defense. Yeah. This is a game that we kinda need to see Ray Banner get back into his rhythm because he had some tougher games. Rushing wise, his numbers were still pretty good, but you know, he he faced some tougher defenses in Beach and Lebanon. This will be a good week for him to try to get back on track. But I think Stewart's Creek, having played Oakland and gotten a little bit more experience from that game, they may carry over into this game, and it may serve them well. And I like Stewart's Creek for that reason too. I think the Red Hawks will get a win critical for region seating until Kane Ridge returns. This is probably. Between these two teams and Smyrna, this is the game for first place in the region. So mm. uh, it's, it's important for both teams. Right. Mount Juliet and Wilson Central, as we talk about region rivalries, this is a county rivalry in Wilson County. Uh, the Golden yep. Bears took it to Gallatin last week, 31-10 on the road. And Wilson Central, uh, they took it to Kenwood, 49-19 on the road as well. So both teams coming off big road wins getting into this game. And this, I think this is the 20th time that Wilson Central and Mount Juliet have played. Yeah, this, you know, after starting 0-2, uh, the Wildcats, you know, they feasted on uh, some Clarksville talent, but now they face the beast. Um, Mount Juliet, uh, they're a team on a mission. You know, they won decisively at Gallatin. They avenged last year's loss. Um, really, the only team they played so far is, uh, that has man- man- uh, mounted any real challenge was Lebanon, uh, another Wilson County staple. Wilson Central, uh, Xavier Ali, he continues to run the ball well, and they are going to need him to do that. Uh, Tristan Lewis is capable throwing the ball. I just think they got to keep the ball away from uh, – I think they have to keep the ball away from Mount Juliet's uh, running backs. Uh, they gave up 207 yards to Kenwood running back Jalen Washington. Uh, and you look at Mount Juliet's side, they like to run. Um, I think that Cam Malone and Jamari uh, Soul have a uh, have a big night. I think Wilson Central has good offense. Uh, a few teams are rolling like the Bears are right now. I don't think the Wildcat defense is prepared for a running game like Mount Juliet's. A lot of things can happen between now and the end of the season, but I expect Mount Juliet can see a path to an undefeated season if they can get past the Wildcats. Um, I like Mount Juliet in this game, and I like Mount Juliet to win – I think it's close to uh, for a little while, but I I just see Mount Julie has way too much talent here. This rivalry has been kind of one-sided. It's been pretty much all Mount Juliet, except for a five-year stretch where Wilson Central won five consecutive games. They have not won in this rivalry since. It's 14-5 to in favor of the Golden Bears. I think it's going to go to 15-5 to because I think Mount Juliet has a little bit too much firepower in the backfield. Although... I believe Wilson Central will keep this one tighter than most people expect. If it's within a two-score game, I won't be terribly shocked. But I do mm. like Mount Juliet to come away with a win here. 
Next up, Good Pasture and Lipscomb Academy, and probably one of the most one of the most least talked about games of the week. I should say, really. Yeah, the, I think this is maybe one of the the better games of the uh, of the weekend. If they, if you're looking at games to go to, this this would be in your top five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lipscomb Academy. You know, we we knew that they could put up points, and we talked about last week that they you know that they should win handily at Page, and they did forty one to nothing. Uh, both of these teams pitched shutouts last week, yep. actually. Yeah. Um, you know. Lipscomb's played well, like we said, offensively. Good pastures kind of surprise of the year so far. Nobody was really talking about right. them early, but right now they control the region and everything flows through the Cougars right now. Um, you know, that you know they have uh, you know Cooper Pennington is you know they have a quarterback. He he is he is a very very good decisive quarterback. Uh, back there, and uh, he throws well on the run. He has good escapability. He makes, if you watch him on film, he makes really good back shoulder throws, and that is a staple of their offense, is that back shoulder throw, and he puts it right there. And that, and it, he really is good about that. Brendan Jones is very quick. He has great receiving instincts. He runs a solid route runner. He's a threat to score anytime he has the ball in the hands. But to beat Lipscomb, I'm afraid they're going to have to control the clock like they did against Nashville Christian because Luther Richardson and company can put up points by the bucket load. Alex Broom is an in, is the engine in the backfield. I think here in this game, he may be the key to this game. If, if good pasture can limit his touches, they have a shot. If Alex Broom is allowed to run rampant, or if he gets balls out of the backfield, which he's so good at that screen game. Lipscomb is really, really good on hitch passes and screens blocking-wise. I think it could be a long, long night. The Mustangs have the horses to run with anyone. Yes, I went there. They've been hampered uh, by turnovers and with teams that are really good. I think it's a shootout, but I think Lipscomb is shade better if, if, they kicked the ball away from Brendan Jones. There you go. Yep. Okay, here's one for you. Mustangs are accustomed to running long distances. This is going to be a long race. Cougars are running short bursts. I think that the Mustangs will outlast the Cougars here. I'm about to win place and show on you right here. <laughs> this three-game stretch for Lipscomb Academy is the triple crown of their season. Good pasture, FRA, CPA, bang, bang, bang in a row. And they need to win all three if they want to win this region. But they got to get this one. And I think you mentioned Alex Burmey. He is the key to this game because he had a big game last week. He helps control that Mustang offense and keeps a lot of pressure off Luther Richardson. And I think it's going to be his game to carry for the Mustangs. I don't think this is the, I don't think it's a photo finish. I think Wilson Academy wins by a couple lengths. I'm so proud of you. Uh, <laughs> You took you took my you took my little allegory and you ran with it. Uh, Cross well, the finish line. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's well, just right. hope there's no inquiry for anybody from anybody else about it. Oh, okay. Now you're starting to stretch. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Time to move on for that matter. Next up, Lebanon and Hendersonville, another region game for for these two teams. Hendersonville coming off a, a tough loss at Beach twenty eight to fourteen. 
Levin, as we mentioned, beat Laverne 45-33. DeQuante Shannon had a monster night for the Blue Devils. He needs another one if they're going to win against the Commandos. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, it's good to see Lebanon get back on the winning track. Um, you know, and you look at their their losses. They've come against Gallatin and Mount Juliet. So the teams that they've lost to are quality teams. Yeah. It's, it, you know, to have a 2-2 uh, record um, and in going into this game – it's not Hennessville coming off a, uh, a that beach game, a game which, you know, it, uh, if not for a few mistakes, they could have been at, at least in there really, really close. I mean, third yeah. quarter, they were within a, within a score and had a chance to tie it, but they fumbled a punt. So, you know, once again, yeah, the, you know, they had opportunities to win – uh, made play made plays on defense, but they have got to button up the turnovers, yeah. the punt errors, the quality control has got to be there. Their special teams has got to be tightened up a lot because it cost them three possessions last week. Yeah, I it it was and, and multiple points left off the board too. Right, and then and and missed field goals. Yep. I mean, three field goals. They, they at one point they could have been up. By two score, uh, by well, by six points, yeah, and it, it just never happened for him. And that that translates in the field position, especially with that missed 51, uh, 54 yarder. Yep. Um, you know, you look at Lebanon. Uh, you know, Shannon is what makes it run there. And and you know, we talked about Alex Room and how important he is in the the uh, game for good. I mean, for uh, for Lipscomb. Well, gosh, multiply that by about three here. Um, you know, they – they I don't want to say they allowed 119 yards to Ray Banner because if you hold Ray Banner to 119 yards, that's not a bad night. Right. You know, but they've got to take advantage of any opportunities just as Beach did. They've got to take advantage of the opportunities if they're going to beat uh, Hendersonville. They've got to make them throw the ball. On the other side of it, Hendersonville, Cam Malone's got to have a better night. Uh, if not, then Luke Mann's going to have to find Ellis Ellis often. Um, Lebanon's improving, but uh, you know my concerns with their defense ability to stop the run are are what are concerning me. I think that the Commandos should win this game on paper, but the mistakes they're making absolutely are soul killers. I'm going to go Hendersonville here, but it won't shock me if Lebanon pulls this one out. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, Shannon is a load to to handle in any event, but uh, Hendersonville has a real job trying to slow him down. I think this week, though, it really is about special teams and, and trying to clean that stuff up because, I mean, it costs them at minimum nine points in missed field goals, and then any more they could have gotten off of field position would have been huge. I'm just – I think Hendersonville bounces back in a big way in this one. And I think that they'll they'll do the job against Levin. I think this is Hendersonville's homecoming too, which would be a real. I could be wrong there. It's listed as homecoming right now, but that could obviously change. I'm going to take the Commandos here at at home, and could be a close one for a while though, because I think Shannon's going to have a pretty big night. Yep. So totally agree. That brings us to our spotlight game of the week: Brentwood and Ravenwood, and a game that we did last year and. Obviously, looking forward to again this time, and a lot of star power on both sides. Yeah, um, Ravenwood resumed their tr- annual track meet with Pulaski Academy. 
Uh, this time they dropped it uh, 37-29. Uh, must have been a slow night with that low point total. Uh, <laughs> somebody must have punted. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but they were right there at the end. I mean, they had a yeah. chance, end up uh, uh, turning the ball over uh, uh, at the at the goal line uh, at the end of the game. Um, you know, Brentwood. You know, they come in on a high after defeating Henry County, and you know, I can't remember recent memory Henry County ever being spanked that that hard. No. Um, yeah. Now, you know. Cade Granzai was a, a large part of that seven touchdowns there. Um, and, and they spotted Henry County seven points. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it was amazing. Uh, go ahead. And that game was actually close in the third quarter until they just about a, a six-minute stretch where Brentwood ripped it open. Yeah. Well, and they just – there was no answer for Walker Merrill and Aaron Walton. Um, they were both over 120 yards receiving. Yeah. The, the level of talent they played in three games is impressive. Mistakes in the kicking game were a big part of losing the game at Brentwood Academy. They allowed two kickoff returns uh, that came right after scores. So, you know, it just kills all your momentum. But they are in the middle of a very difficult stretch with Brentwood Academy, Henry Academy, I'm sorry, Henry County, Ravenwood, CPA, Independence. Uh, they're in a they're in a uh, they're in the weeds. You look at Ravenwood, um, you know, I think this is their toughest uh, game yet, and I think it's going to be on Junior Colson and Damon Owens to contain Kay Granzel, keep him in the pocket, but not give him time. I think that's going to be a lot of pressure on the corners as well. Offensively, the Raptors are going to have to want to rely on the running game and a short passing game. But I think that this game is going to hinge on what kind of day Jake Brenning still has. I think that if he can if, if he can control the middle of the field, get past their linebackers, he could have a big day. It's really about quarterbacks. God, Williamson County has a wealth of them, doesn't it? Yeah, they do. I mean, when these two are a couple of the best, both have escapability, both make good decisions, both can make the tough throws. And I think this team's this game's going to come down to the team that makes the most mistakes. But I'm feeling something right now. I'm thinking I'm I'm feeling that the Bears pull this game out. Hmm. So you're going Bruins. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bruins Bears are the it's the same animal. Yeah. Yeah. I have Fair a, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I have a feeling that let's just put this I have a feeling there's just something that tells me that this is Brentwood's year. Okay. You mentioned Brentwood's stretch. Ravenwood's in the middle of a tougher stretch. Pulaski Academy, Brentwood in the middle, and then an IMG Academy showdown looming next week. This is probably a, a, as tough a three-game stretch as any team is going to play in the state. And so the Raptors are going to be battle-tested in this one. On their home field, I like their chances. I do think Brentwood's going to score quite a bit, so this could very well be the shootout that we thought last week might be. But Ravenwood seems like they're starting to kind of find their feet. Last week was a, was a tough loss, obviously, but they did a lot of things that they wanted to do, especially in the special teams game against Pulaski Academy. We're talking to Matt Daniels about that. They were solid in special teams where they needed to be. They just didn't quite finish the job. I think they finished the job this week, and I think that they take Brentwood down. It's to the wire, I believe, but I think Ravenwood will win this and maybe by a score. Yeah, 
and, and again, I can I can see that. I just that there's something you know. This is this is one of those gut calls. You know, you look at it, and I could I could wake up in the morning. I can't believe I didn't take Ravenwood. Right. You know, but I'm 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 just I feel that that Brentwood. It feels like this is a season where we're going to have that quite a bit. I think so. I think so. I just think that, and and not to keep justifying it, but I, I just kind of think that Brentwood has come out of that Brentwood Academy loss with a different mindset. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. It'll be a good game, though. I'm I'm, I, I'm excited to see it. I'm I'm glad you get to go see that one. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you got You might have a pretty good one in your own right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So. I get the fan. Yeah, we didn't announce the fan vote. Well, we no, oh. we didn't. But no, yeah. Mount Julian Wilson Central is our fans game of the week and they chose it and yep and you get to go please the fans that's right that's right that's i'm all about pleasing the fans there you go and so are we but we're out of time for this week and want to thank you for listening thank of all of our people that have supported us and we will talk to you next week on the 615 preps podcast hopefully with some good news yeah it'd be great we'll see you then the 615 preps podcast is a production of b squared media llc Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615preps podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.